Life Audio. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Salty Saints Podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And I'm Lori. Yes, <laughs> she's Lori. And uh, Lori McFall, she, uh, her husband, Chris, was on episode 77, yes. uh, which was uh, Is Spreading the Gospel Evil, which right. is a fun episode, so check that out. Oh, yeah. But um, we're talking about abortion today. We're talking about Roe v. Wade. We're talking about all of the things that two white guys apparently have no business <laughs> talking about. Wow. Therefore, we were like, hey, wait a minute. What's Lori doing right now? And literally. Lori works with vulnerable people. I so. do. That's right. Well, I do. We'll get into all of that. But first, we're going to have a quick message from our sponsors. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening, who should call right now? Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. And we're back. Okay, sorry about that. Uh, Lori, didn't mean to cut you off, but why don't you tell me exactly what you do, a little bit about what you do, just so people know you. Okay. Yeah. I am a missionary with One Mission Society. I have been doing that for about 23 years. And currently, for the last four years and currently, I work with a ministry within OMS called Hope 61. And we are a human trafficking prevention ministry. Um, we, We work with churches around the world to help them understand how they could get out in their community and reach people who are vulnerable to becoming involved in trafficking, either as a buyer or a seller or a victim. We don't work with victims, et cetera. We work with churches to work with people who have not yet been trafficked. You're equipping people to be ready for it. We are equipping people. Yeah, I love it. You're not primarily a rescue. We are not rescue at all. Total prevention. Leave that to Ashton Kutcher. Right. 
I'm fairly certain he has some is hand he doing in that? it, honestly. Yeah. I, yeah, great, yeah, great. yeah, yeah. I've seen some sort that's of fantastic. And that's the thing with him. That's the sexy thing to do. It is. But the effective thing to do is prevention. Yes. I like that we've used the word sexy in the first two and a half minutes of this podcast. <laughs> I'm going to broadcast on abortion. Yeah. Hey, you know what? <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. So anyways. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Sure we thought meant. Lori, though, would be really cool to bring on here and have her kind of sit with us. One, keep us in line if we start doing too much mansplaining. Um, also, everything I'm saying here is a little bit tongue-in-cheek because I know I have to say these things. So anybody who is a little more woke hasn't hung up already. That they will actually maybe hear us out. But for the most part, we know that our listeners are probably Christians for the most part. And uh, we want to equip you. We want to help you walk through these concepts biblically. And as Lori being somebody who appreciates, values the sanctity of human life and knows that and cherishes that from a biblical perspective – this isn't a far cry. Like, I mean, it's all kind of – it's different, but it's hitting at the same kind of truth at the end of the day. It is different. It's very different, and yet it's not. Um, But I also want to go back and comment on what you said about the audience being Christians um, just in the week that has – week that has passed? Probably. I think, or two. Two weeks. Two weeks. Um, You know this, even within the Christian community – it's a very divisive topic. So, it shouldn't be. Well, it is. So <laughs> even though, yes, yeah. it is. We'll, we'll get into all yeah, that. Sorry. And, yeah. And, and look, if you disagree with us at the end of the day, um, we still love you. But we're, we're going to try and tackle this to the best of our ability. Absolutely. Um, to the best we can find biblically and logically, scientifically. We're looking at all aspects here and we're going to talk about it all. And uh, we hope to... To, to do this some justice. So you guys want to get into it, Randy? Yeah. Why don't you talk so, to us about what Roe v. Wade is? Yeah, we thought um, the best thing to do would be to start with the actual law. Uh, Supreme Court, of course, it never picks a thing and says, hey, we're going to give an opinion on that. What it does is it takes cases that have been uh, either affirmed or rejected in the lower courts they make their way up to the Supreme Court, and then the Supreme Court says, well, this is a constitutional matter. This is protected under under the U.S. Constitution. So Roe v. Wade, 1970, uh, there is a lady in Texas who wanted an abortion. Uh, her name is actually known, but it's not Jane Roe. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was given a pseudonym. Mm. Wade was the district attorney of Dallas County, Texas. So she filed a suit against the district attorney against an anti-abortion law in Texas. And Roe v. Wade, all the way up to the Supreme Court by 1972, uh, overturned some of the lower court's decisions. Now, by the time it got uh, to the Supreme Court, she had already had her abortion. But she had to go somewhere else to get it, um, outside of Texas. What the Supreme Court did was they said that a woman's right to an abortion is a constitutional right. And they said that on on two elements of the Constitution. One is the right to privacy. And uh, the other is 
the due process law of the 14th Amendment. Now, uh, we're going to look at that here in a second. But the court did say, but it's not quite that simple because what we're talking about is a human fetus. The human fetus is alive. Or at least it is potentially alive. So they weighed the rights of an actual living U.S. citizen against the potentiality of human life of a potential U.S. citizen. And what they determined was that it varies by how viable the fetus is. And so they divided the pregnancy in trimesters. In the first trimester, a woman can get an abortion for any reason. In the second trimester, there has to be a medical reason. And in the third trimester, uh, there is no reason. You must carry through unless the mother's uh, life is in jeopardy. By the way, uh, the arguments about uh, uh, abortions being allowed because the mother's life is in jeopardy, that has never been an issue. Every single law that I was able to look at says if the mother's life is in jeopardy, it's a decision that she and the doctor will make together. Right, and that's kind of what I've always seen is that yeah. that generally gets hashed out on the medical side. It never exactly. even goes to an abortion situation. Mm-hmm. So so the 14th Amendment is actually, it, it simply states that U.S. citizens have rights. They have the right to privacy, and they have the right to life, liberty, and property No state can deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. So uh, the due process clause here, simply uh, they're making a statement that um, uh, the, the fetus can be aborted because the mother may not be deprived of her right to an abortion unless... There is a legally binding reason for doing that. Now, fast forward uh, 20 years. We're now in 1992, and we have the case of Planned Parenthood of Southeastern Pennsylvania against Casey, the governor of Pennsylvania. Um, In 1982, Pennsylvania passed an Abortion Control Act, and they stipulated five Uh, requirements before a woman would be granted an abortion. They included things like if it's a minor, then they have to have had permission of one of the parents. Uh, If it's a married woman, she has to have informed her husband. Uh, She has to give informed, she has to be informed of what the abortion is, what it entails, 24 hours before the abortion. Well, Uh, The Supreme Court in 92 took a look at that, and they actually were the first to overturn part of Roe v. Wade. What they overturned was the trimester stipulation. They said a woman has a right to an abortion at any time during Mm -hmm. her pregnancy. So as of 1992, abortion was not... um, restricted by the trimester that the woman was in. It was rather, now there was a new and kind of an obscure uh, rationale. If the birth of the child places an undue burden on the mother, she may request an abortion. 
And they stipulated the undue burden could be financial, it could be medical, it could be emotional. <laughs> uh, basically, for any reason. Right. So now we fast forward uh, 30 years and we're in uh, 2022. The case that comes before the Supreme Court that they just recently decided on is Dobbs, the state health officer of the state of Mississippi, against the Jackson Women's Health Organization. Um, Mississippi had an act called a Gestational Age Act, which tried to replace trimester prohibitions. The Gestational Act says... Uh, a person shall not intentionally or knowingly perform or induce an abortion of an unborn human being if the probable gestational age of the unborn human being has been determined to be greater than 15 weeks. Hmm. The Jackson Women's Health Organization wanted that struck down so a woman in Mississippi could gain an abortion at any point during her pregnancy and instead, what the Supreme Court did was they overturned Roe v. Wade and they overturned Casey, um, uh, who was it here, uh, Casey and Planned Parenthood, and said that the reason why those laws were uh, permitted was not strong enough. Mm. Uh, you can't use the undue process. Or, or the due process code of the 14th Amendment mm. to authorize an abortion. Real quick, Randy, we are at our mark for our final uh, word from our sponsors on this video. So let's go over to them really quick, and then we'll jump right back, and then we will uh, we'll finish this. Uh, well, we'll roll the rest of the way through this podcast uninterrupted, but uh, real quick. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. All right, Randy, so where did we leave off? So uh, we're at uh, the recent decision of the Supreme Court in the case of Dobbs versus uh, Jackson Women's Health Organization. What the Supreme Court did was it overturned Roe v. Wade, it overturned um, Planned Parenthood uh, v. Casey, and said that it, it did not make abortion illegal. What it did say was that the the decisions about the legalities pertaining to abortion are not a constitutional uh, uh, right. So the individual state can make a decision. Now, my wife and I happen to be in Evansville. Evansville is what they, in what they call the tri-state area, mm -hmm. Kentucky, Indiana, and Illinois. And uh, I watched uh, a news program where they said that each state is completely different. In Kentucky... They had trigger laws in place. So as soon on uh, June the 24th, as soon as this was decided, abortion was illegal in Kentucky. If you had an abortion scheduled for June the 25th, 
you could not do it. Interesting. In the state of Illinois, there were no such laws, and Illinois has laws permitting abortion exactly the way the government had been enforcing it before. So if you lived in Illinois, no change. Indiana is in the middle. Mm-hmm. So abortion is illegal for certain prescribed instances. I'm frankly not sure what they were or are, but uh, you can still acquire an abortion in Indiana. So but only in some cases. In Not, not in all cases. Okay. Right. It might be a trimester restriction. I Frankly, I don't know. Okay. Hmm. But so overturning Roe v. Wade actually does not make abortion illegal. What it does is it makes it a state-by-state state decision. Right. That's why right now there's a lot of uh, talk about, um, well, if you live in a state that doesn't allow abortion, what's the nearest state that does? Right. And, uh, yeah. So that's kind of where we're at. Okay. So, I mean, in summary, what I get out of that is basically – and correct me if I'm wrong here, but that now by Roe v. Wade being overturned, really what is all that is different is that now it is a state-by-state -state basis as to whether or not you can get an abortion in that state. Right. You can go to another state and do it, which I will right. argue against as well. But, um, yeah, so that's really all that's happening here. Now, so, so what's happening in these cases is they are arguing on points of law. They are not arguing about the ethical appropriateness. Which is a totally different side of it. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Okay. Good enough. So, I mean, I think with that said, though, with saying like what Roe v. Wade is, is this a fair time to jump into the ethical side of abortion, though? Oh, I think that's what we have to do. We're not Absolutely. lawyers. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you just told me a lot more than I knew. Right. So, just on the law side. So, um, so I, I guess the the major thing that it all boils down to, and I think we were trying to come up with a loose kind of skeleton to this conversation. You know, um, that the culminating question here is: Is it murder? Right. I mean, that's really what right. we've got to determine. Because if it is, no one should do it. And if it isn't, it should be fine, right? Right. Basically, yeah. I mean, yeah. I can't, yeah. I can't think that that's crazy to say. Um, and so, is it murder? Shall we discuss? Yeah, discuss. So one of the things that that I'm I'm really trying hard not to do is to set up a straw man. No, that that we can just tear down. So I've been uh, digging into. Um, uh, the other side of the argument from my position. And uh, pretty much what I've come up with is uh, people will distinguish. But first of all, there is generally no debate over whether a fetus is alive or not. The fetus is alive. Well, yeah. Yes. Correct. Once upon a time, that was not the case. But now it is. Well, I think my the, I feel that the argument has always been that, that's why that seems like a blanket statement. If we're not making straw men, then we got to be careful. Okay. I think the question has been when is the fetus alive? That has always been the issue. When okay. is the fetus alive? Because I think most people would argue that it's not birth, but the, or some might that it is birth. But 
when is it alive? And right. let's just get this out of the way. It's always funny to me when people are using the word fetus. I hear I heard Jeff Durbin say this first. Um, fetus is just Latin for small child. So it's all it's so funny that they try and dehumanize uh, a, a fetus, a, a baby, by calling it fetus. By not yeah. calling it a baby. Yeah, right. They just Which call it, it a small child. Right. right? It's you're just using a, a Latin term at this right. point. Right. But um so I I guess the the thing that I had looked up was okay, well then I guess for me the question becomes when is it? When okay. is it alive, right? When right. does life begin is the question. Um there was a let's see here. This is this is a article by Stephen Andrew Jacobs in 2018. Basically what happened is there was a study done where 2,899 American adults were surveyed and asked who the most qualified group was to answer when life began, hmm. okay? And of those 2,899 people, the majority of 81% suggested um, that it would be a biologist, okay? And so they took a sample of 5,502 biologists, um, from 1,058 academic institutions, assessed uh, they assessed statements representing the biological views uh, a human's life begins at fertilization. Basically, what they come to the conclusion of is of that group, some said they were pro-life, some said they were pro-choice, some said they were conservative, some said they were liberal. Okay, but of that group, 95% all agreed that life begins at fertilization of the egg. That life begins at conception. 95%. That is, you can't argue with those odds. Right. If you got 95% of a room believes anything in a court of law, you only, like, what do you need? 50% to come to a conclusion on something? You know what I mean? Like 51% in a board meeting if I'm about to go take over Walmart as the new primary stockholder. Oh I only have to have that 1% more. If you got 95% of people on something, that's uncontested. Why are we arguing about this? I don't think we are. Not us. <laughs> Not us. Um, so abortions have been around for a very, very long time. And typically, that have, uh, did you come across the use of the term quickening? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So typically, they would not abort a child who had been quickened. And mm -hmm. quickened is roughly when you begin to feel movement in the baby, that's five or six months. So typically abortions before five months were practiced. After five months, they were not, typically. Uh, so <laughs> biologists may agree that life begins at fertilization, but the practice of society through the years has tended to say uh, there is something to that trimester division. Yeah, um, that was something else in here I skipped over. Um, the 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 two distinct interpretations of the question are generally the descriptive view: when is a fetus classified as a human, and the normative: when ought a fetus be worthy of ethical and legal consideration? Which seems what Roe v. Wade was really weighing on. It really is, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Roe v. Wade was saying that at quickening, the fetus now has. The rights, same rights as the mother, and so its life cannot be taken. 
That that, that initial yeah. when it was the trimesters right, divided right, up right. into trimesters. Right. right. So so by that point of view though, how do you determine when a life is worthy of ethical consideration? Okay, I'm gonna just Please I'm gonna do. just do it. Do it. Please do. Okay. This whole thing about when life begins and all of this, my understanding, and I have not delved deeply into this topic. My understanding is that some years ago, some time ago, the community that supports abortion, supports a woman's right, completely went away from it's not a baby because there were too many biologists, right. doctors, scientists. They don't even anymore. argue from that perspective. You don't hear about the baby or the baby's rights or anything. Thing along those lines mm-hmm. it's all about the woman right so a lot of times when i hear these arguments which arguments get nowhere when i hear these discussions if you will i'm hearing apples and oranges i i hear i hear we're talking here and you're talking here and i'm going ah, i'm not listening because i know what i believe but but if if you're trying to convince somebody who is for abortion but that's a life and even if you use the word murder it still goes back to the woman well it's the woman's right the man can just take off right so right which so what, for me that that whole conversation it's important but it doesn't I don't, I don't think it gets any traction. And, and where you generally lose people when you actually start to use logical reasoning to point out what they're doing there is the only two conversations that can come to my mind just instantly are the Holocaust and the American slave trade. That, oh, I'm not denying that that's a person, but I'm just saying they don't have rights like I do. That my rights trump their rights. Therefore, so when this happened to the, these people, that's what the people were saying? I'm not right, sure. Right. You either have to dehumanize a group in yes. order for okay. mass genocide yes. or you have to say that your rights trump their rights. Absolutely. And so in the case of the Holocaust, it was, well, the Jews are standing between us and the dream that, uh, for Germany, for future Germany. So we have to kill them all because they're in an inferior race. In the American slave trade, it became, well, they are less human than white people. Therefore, we should be able to own them and our Trump, our rights should trump their rights. Both of those scenarios are incredibly evil, mm-hmm. wicked, anti-biblical, mm-hmm. not true. And we can say that looking back on it, but now that it's happening around us, it's so impossible to see somebody standing on that side of the conversation for them to see what boat they're standing in. Because when they look down, they see that they're standing on the right side of history, that I'm standing up for women's rights. Yeah, but you're crushing the rights of the unborn. And so how do you justify that? That's that's my issue. Right. Yeah. I think you're I think you nailed it. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's it's not a conversation about the baby at all. Right. If you're for abortion. There that's a non non conversation. Right. So um I, I do you, do you guys have anything more you want to add to the, like the murder thing? One, what I saw on most of the most of the uh, discussion boards is the argument that murder is the unlawful taking of life. Ah. As long as abortion is lawful, it's not murder, right? And that 
I get the argument, but <laughs> the slave trade it, was it, legal. Uh, sure, absolutely. Yeah, the it, Holocaust it, was legal you, in you, Germany. In Germany, <laughs> you take it out of the ethical realm, and that's what you're left with. Mm-hmm. Right, right. The the ethics don't just the ethics don't go away. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and they're not de- and they're not determined by your culture either. It's some it's something that goes beyond culture. Right. It is just truth. Right. Um. And so I guess my question would be, and I guess this is kind of a follow-up question, um, can a Christian hold to this worldview? Can a Christian hold to the pro-choice worldview? I'll let you guys answer before I go. <laughs> be careful. Well, can they? Uh, they do. Okay. Yes. I, I'm agreeing I, I mean, thus far. I, yeah, I, I just hash it out. Just go for it. Yeah. That's all I've got. I don't know. They, <laughs> Of course they can. They can hold to any worldview they want. We are not The question robots. of can and the question of should are two very different things. Yes. There it they, is. they yes. obviously can uh, because many do. And uh, it seems to me that typically the ones who do are looking at other issues. They're looking at uh the the difficulty oh um i didn't mention the uh 92 uh court case that overturned the trimester restriction talked about a woman can seek an abortion if there is an undue burden i think i did mention oh you that. D- you said undue so, burden yeah uh, man that is so wide open uh-huh. now most of the people most of the christians today who i believe would argue that uh, abortion is tolerable, would be saying that it's tolerable because of the financial burden and the societal burden. And and uh, I get that, but it still takes away the rights of the unborn male or female fetus. I mm-hmm. mean, if we're talking about the rights of women, what about the rights of the unborn women who are being killed. Right. Right. No, I'm with you. Um, and and that's just it. Is like I, I hear so many reasons for why abortion should be okay is to prevent this other bad thing from happening. Right. Like I often hear, well, they're going to have a really horrible life. You know, they're going to grow up in the system. They're going to grow up as orphans if this woman does give them as children uh, into to the orphanages. Or that um, in the case of like – I guess that's different. I was going to say like the rapist, you know, if somebody's raped, uh, you know, why would you – why should that woman have to have that child? I guess that's a different argument because that's like don't punish the child for the sins of the father kind of thing. You know what I mean? Um, but when we talk about like – well, it's better to kill this child rather than them have a really hard life, rather than this woman be forced into a life that she can't can't lead well because maybe she doesn't have enough income or whatever, right? Um, my issue with all of those things is like that's basically saying that the ends justify the means, that if – we prevent a bad thing from happening, then that justifies the taking of human life. But my argument is biblically you can't hold to that position. Um, is it in Romans where Paul's talking about um, 
you know, we sin and God is glorified when he forgives us. Therefore, shouldn't we continue sinning so that God's glorified? No, we shouldn't do that because that's evil and wicked and wrong. Like, well, that's the exact same argument. It's saying, well, it's okay in the end. So that made the sin okay in the moment. No, no, it didn't. It's still sin and it's still repulsive to God. Um, Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. One of the other arguments is that uh, um, we'll go back to the pre-72 practices of unsafe abortions, mm-hmm. which which can cause death of mothers. Right. Um, you know, again, I get that, but so do we make uh, illegal activity permissible? Well, yeah. I mean, first of all, yeah, that's it's going to happen either way. Right, but that's the, why, why don't we flip that then? That's the exact same argument you're using for guns on the left. We should get rid of guns so this doesn't happen anymore. Well, you're telling us if we get rid of abortions, they're just going to keep doing it. The, you see what I'm saying? It's the exact yeah. same argument. It's just flipped, but now it's on something that the left would agree with. That's silly. Also, most abortions are done with pills. They're not going to kill the woman for getting an abortion. That's not going to kill her. She's just going to find some illegal method of obtaining an abortion drug, and then she's going to take it and have the baby or or miscarry the baby. Um, So even that is like the amount of abortions that take place where it's actually going in and dismembering the body, I don't think it's as big as we think it is. Now, I'm speaking just off the top of my head here, so feel free to correct me, anybody listening to this. But my point is, like, not all of the abortions are that. Right. And so there's still means of safely, I quote, safely getting an abortion illegally, which is probably what will happen. But you can well, go to a different it, state. But it won't be illegal. Yeah. It, it, exactly. Depending well, on what state you're in. Right. I mean, if you don't have the means to go to another state. But, I mean, apparently now if you call up Starbucks, they'll just gladly hand you the money to fly to go get your abortion in another state. Um, I wrote down a list of oh. – Yeah. Yeah. Which we can go there too because that one doesn't make sense or, to me either. One of the other qualms I hear – and I'm sorry. We're kind of jumping around a lot. But we kind of have to. There's just so many very uh, varied questions here. But – it was like Patagonia, uh, Starbucks, Airbnb. Those were three of them. I don't remember the rest. But are going to pay for their employees to – at least this is what I read on social media. Don't sue me. This is what I read on social media that they're going to pay for their employees to fly to get abortions in other states if they need them. But here's my question. One of the major um, reasons – that people support the idea of abortion is, well, nobody's willing to to fork over the money to help all these babies that are already born living in orphanages or these mothers that need help, these mothers that need uh, extra income to take care of their child. Okay, well, wait, Starbucks, wait, Airbnb, wait, Patagonia. Why don't you take all that money that you're putting forward to murder children with and why don't you just use that to help the ones that are already born? And then we could make less of an issue of this. Like, all (laughs) – I just don't get it. Like, I really don't get where people's heads are at with this. Like, One of the unintentional or perhaps intentional byproducts of Roe v. Wade is abortion, once it was legalized, just became uh, – it it was the mulligan 
It was the, you know, uh, get out of jail free card. Uh, it, it was the uh, easy way to correct a one night mistake. Right. Yes. It was used as birth control. Hmm. And that seems to me to be incredibly wrong. I did check here. This is Pew Research. In 72, they estimated some 744,000 abortions by uh, 10 years later. That number had more than doubled. They, they were over 1.6 million. And it stayed there for about 10 years. It's been dropping since then, uh, dropping back down to where uh, actually in 2020 or 2019, they estimated 930,000. Um, but if you add all those numbers up. If you add all those numbers up, millions. it is a huge. That's a huge number. Huge number. We were looking, uh, uh, one of the sources that you saw said 63 million. If you add these numbers up, it'd be more like 40, 45 million or if so. It, if it's a million. But that's. If it's one, it's too many. That's nine times the size of the Holocaust. Yeah. At the lowest. Yeah. Right. That's the size of the state of California. Right. That's a huge number of of children. Yeah, so I guess the people that get mad when I compare this to the Holocaust or to the slave trade, they're right. This is nothing like the Holocaust and the <laughs> slave trade. This is at least nine times worse, right? I mean, it's horrible. This is absolutely horrible. Um, but like, and, and look, I, I do want to get back to like the objections and to talk to the right, objections, right, right, right. but like when just speaking about this from the ethical standpoint and, and Christians, this is kind of at you, you in good conscience as a believer in Christ and follower of Jesus Christ cannot hold to the pro-choice position. It, it is unbiblical. It's wrong. And I think we can prove that with scripture alone. Um, me and Randy were talking about, Randy kind of said, you know, it's kind of hairy because the verse is written kind of weird and he's right. Depending on what translation of, of, of you read, uh, Exodus 21, 22 through 25. Um, let me pull it up here. If you can find it in new American <laughs> standard, that is the one that's written wonky. Will you read it? I don't have new American standard. Oh, got you. Oh, um, what chapter is it? 21, Exodus 21, verse 22. 22 through 25. Oh, you're waiting on me? Yes, ma'am. Oh, sorry. Oh, you're good. Uh, 22. American Standard. I'm curious. And if men strive together and hurt a woman with child so that her fruit depart. Ah, see, it's different. And yet, no harm follow. Yeah, is that? Yeah, that's, what that's it says. the American standard. Oh, that's for the what you new, said. New, oh. new American standard. Here's, Sorry, I'll, y'all. I'll tell you what it says. It says miscarries. <laughs> yeah. Okay, it says if she it, exactly if Sorry. miscarries. No, it's good. Um, if she miscarries, and so there have been people that have equated that to abortion, right? Causing causing the death a of a child. Because what happens is it says if um, if the child comes out and there's no further harm, That's thinking 2020. 
2020. No, you're okay. Uh, it says it, and the child comes out and there's no further harm than they're to be fined. Right. 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 Which is not the debt. It's not the penalty for, for right, death. Right. The penalty for death biblically is death. 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 Right. If you murder someone, you're put to death. Um, but it goes on to say, but if there is further harm, then the men are, t- then, then the justice shall be an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a life mm. for a life. And so what you see here is actually, if you read it in the, let me see here, in the original Hebrew, Which it I will says, <laughs> you can, Blue Letter Bible, you ever Sorry, used it? I have. I use this resource all the time. I love it. Yeah. Um, it says, so that she gives birth prematurely is how it's written in the NIV here. But the word is uh, yasa is how it's spelled here. I don't know. I don't speak Hebrew. Um, but when used biblically, it means to come out, to go out, to exit, right? So it's saying if the baby comes out and there's no further harm, then they're to be fined. In other words, the child The child lives. lives. But if the child dies or the mother dies, then they are to die. Ah. Okay. I mean, that's I mean, okay. that, that's different, right? I mean, like, that's it's where it matters. Yeah. That's where it really matters. Um we see that. Not only do we see that, we see uh, Psalm 139, 13 through 14, where it says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. We look at Jeremiah 1, 5. It says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Before you were born, before you were born into the world, I was knitting you together in your mother's womb and I knew you and I had my plans for you. We're taking that out of the world. We're taking that ability. We're taking that that child's chance at life out of the mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. We talk about how bad orphans have it. We talk about how, how it must be so hard to be an orphan. We have tons of orphans running around our church right now, living their life. Great kids. Serving the kingdom of God because they were adopted by awesome families that love them and want to take care of them. Now, I understand that there are orphans out there that never get that chance. But that doesn't mean they're less a contribution to society. It means they got a hard go of it, but that's better than death. And it means that there are Christians out there who, when they say they're pro-life, they really are very single-minded in the abortion fight. Mm -hmm. And they're not... They're 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 pro no abortion, but they're not looking at life is valuable overall. But there are so many more, and that's one of the big arguments from from the people who are pro abortion. And I know they hate that phrase, but I use it anyway. Um, there are so many more people like the folks in our church, and like my my dear former coworker who currently has four foster kids like they are loving these kids and there there's there's no perfect human being on this earth there's no, no perfect christian no. but so many of us are doing all that we can all that god has called us to do to support life overall right not just to keep women from having abortions. And I, I don't mean that that's not a good thing to do. Obviously it is. But 
but truly, if if you say you're pro-life, you need to be for life. Right. And and this may be a good time to, to just poke at this really quick, but to be pro-life, really, it's not a great movement. Right. The problem is the pro-life movement is a kingdom divided because mm-hmm. it's not a Christian movement. Mm-hmm. It's a Christian, Muslim, Buddhist, Hindu. Like there's a ton of religions involved in this. Therefore, we don't all stand on even ground. So really it just muddles the water and makes it harder to pass good legislation to stop abortion. Uh, in fact, a lot of these laws that you were talking about that are like in place right now mm-hmm. that once Roe v. Wade went up that abortion was still legal – a lot of those are problematic because laws placed by the pro-life movement has made it harder to get rid of those laws that are behind things like Roe v. Wade. It's like it's just adding confusion to things. We need a Christian stance on this, a strong Christian movement. That's the hard part about it all because we want to say pro-life, cool, that's good. And in a way, yeah, it is. Right. But it's making it harder. It's making it a lot harder. And I'm – yeah, I I don't – I'm not talking about a movement. I'm talking about am I for all life? I get, I get what I you're ca- saying. Am I caring for? Right. I just yes. wanted to clear that up because those yeah, are two yeah, different yeah, yeah. things. Yeah, right. yeah. One Good of the point. other things that I don't hear people talking about that seems to me would be uh, an important piece of the puzzle would be legislation that would go after the father of the child once born. Yeah. Uh, right now, it's pretty easy to be a deadbeat dad. Um, if there were legislation in place that really puts punitive penalties, that's a redundancy, uh, <laughs> but that really puts penalties on deadbeat dads, uh, maybe uh, the child would not be in such a disadvantaged position. Right. Right. And, and, and that's just, I mean, that has to be said here. Um and I wasn't sure if we like ended on this, this kind of thing because we're not done. But um, this isn't over just because Roe v. Wade got overturned. Right. Oh no! Right. This is the beginning of the church's problems. Yeah. Like we've got to recognize that. Like what this means now is that we've got to step up our game and we got to get out there and start loving kids that need it and loving mothers that are questioning whether or not they're going to have an abortion. We need to start really loving on people and helping every way we can. And I mean the church being the church, not just like, oh, I show up to Sunday once a week and I did my part. I'm talking Monday through Friday going and loving your neighbor's church, Um, which is hard. So hard. It's very hard. Who is that single mom living by you and what can you do to make her life a little bit less miserable? Right. Right. And, and, you know, and this needs to be said, too. I mean, one of the common objections to abortion is it's forced motherhood. It's not forced motherhood. If we've determined that life is born at conception, that that life starts at conception, that as soon as the egg and the sperm come together, that is a child, that is human life. Well, it's not forcing motherhood. It's just forcing her to not kill her child. I know that sounds harsh. But, like, you're a mother either way. Mm-hmm. Whether or not you have a dead baby, you're a mother. I mean, that's really – that's that's hard. I, I get that. But, like, you can't force motherhood. You make that decision when you have sex. Lori, 
you're 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 looking off into the distance. I need you here. No, I I'm I'm there. I just I didn't know where that was going. No, no I I agree. I will. Um, yeah. So one of my one of my thoughts as I've seen. I'm just going to say the vitriol, the the horrible things that people have said over the last week and leading up to it, a couple things in particular. Um, one of the things that, that crossed my mind is, and you flat out asked me and said to everybody who's listening, we asked Lori here because we're two white men, and so... From a woman's standpoint, a woman who has two amazing adult children, I've had three pregnancies. I miscarried my first baby before before my oldest was born, and that was at about eight to ten weeks, and so the baby was not viable. The baby was, I was not feeling movement, but with the other two, like the instant I felt that movement. It's like I knew there was a life in there, and now I know there is because I can feel it. I, I'm I'm not I am not criticizing people who are for abortion, whether you're a Christian or not. You have your reasons. I don't agree, but here's what I cannot fathom. If you are a woman and you have carried a baby at least past the point of feeling that baby move, how you could be for someone else killing their baby. I cannot fathom saying it's okay to get rid of that hmm. from, from conception on. Right. Because you know it's going, right. it's going you can to no come. You no longer plead ignorance. Yeah, like, I, I just... That's that's what keeps going through my mind. Yeah. So, Lori, if if uh, someone approaches you and uh, comes up that they're pregnant and they're not sure what to do and they're considering abortion, how would you counsel them? What would you say to them? That's a great question. It obviously it would depend on the situation. I mean, you know, every For situation sure. is different. Yeah. I I would certainly go about counseling them not to, but, but more specifically, I would say there are people who can help. If I can help, I will, but I would definitely direct them to an organization or a group or a person that I know honestly would know better how to help than I would. Find the resources. I would find the resources, but... Aside from that, the practical thing, I would just walk with that person. I would just, if they let me pray with them and encourage them and text them, and I would just try to be there for them and and show Christ's love because because if they had that abortion, he's gonna just weep. Yeah. So let's take it one step further. Somebody comes to you and says, I've had an abortion and I'm struggling. How do you counsel them? I have done 
things that were bad. I have not done that particular thing. I have done bad things. We have all done bad things. But when I read the Bible, I am reminded and reassured that Jesus loves me anyway. And he has forgiven me because I've asked him to. And he can do the same for you if you've had an abortion, for you if if you've done other bad things, I, whatever they are. Um, I know many, many, many imperfect people who love Jesus and know that they're forgiven. And I would invite them to come with me and and try to try to figure out who this Jesus is that does love them and does forgive and sees them. He sees them. He knows why they had the abortion. He knows he knows why I did bad things, why you've done bad things. Not that you've done bad things, Zach or Randy. I've done my fair share. Okay. <laughs> I can totally do. I'm totally aware because <laughs> you are out there with that, and that's awesome. Um, sorry, this is not be made light um but but just try to walk beside them and not tell them all the stuff but to show them all the stuff i mean there the the there's a phrase i am not all about um oh what do you call them oh gee my head's gonna go blank um like the things we say all the time oh why'd you say it like that because now i can't think of it (laughs) It's kind of cliche, cliches. Thank you, bingo. thank you. That's all it. Right. Um, I'm not all about cliches, but but loving people into the kingdom. Hey, cliches are cliches for a reason. It's what we do, and that's and that's what I would do. What I love about both answers is in both answers, you said it's not primarily about telling them; it's no. about walking with them. And I think right. you are absolutely right. Absolutely. Right. And I'll I'll just I'll be out there honest also. Years and years and years ago, when I was not so strong in my faith, I, I had made a profession of faith as when I was young. But when I was in college, I knew someone who said she was going to get an abortion, and I didn't even know what to do with that. I was not from, you know, the big city, and I'm like, I don't even know. Well, okay. And I did nothing because I didn't know what to do or say. And and it never really came up again. She went and did it. And I was sad because I, I knew it probably wasn't the right thing. Um, so when you say, what would you do? I think of her. And how I would do it very differently now. I think my main takeaway here from all this, just kind of sitting and thinking, because look, I got a billion other little <laughs> points I've written down just because they're all good talking points. And we could sit here and talk until we're blue in the face. We could talk about rape and incest and all those statistics, and we, we could throw all that out there. But like what I'm seeing here is that abortion, there's a lot of people that look at abortion like that's going to make these other problems go away. Yes. Mm. And it doesn't. In fact, in many situations, it makes it worse for those mothers 
because then they feel like they've done two bad things. Sin doesn't sin doesn't right sin. You know, you can't fix it by just doing something else bad. With that said, Roe v. Wade getting overturned does not fix the problem of abortion. Right. It's still going to happen. People are still going to get them, whether they do it legally by going to another state or they do it illegally by getting a pill from a drug dealer in their own town. The church has a lot of work to do. We have got big moves to make on all fronts. We need places, we need clinics that are Christian run um, where you can go and get help. We need, like you said, to to be able to talk to our neighbors and be able to console them one-on-one and be able to walk through them uh, in these matters. We need people on the front lines at abortion clinics being that last voice somebody may hear walking through that door to say, please have a conversation with me. Please don't kill your baby. We can we can do way more routes than this, and we'll help you through it. We need that as well. There are so many ways that we need people in the legislation. We need people working up actual good le- legislation that stops people from killing their babies. We need uh, people pushing that legislation and fighting for that legislation and talking to our local governments and our state governments. Um, there's so many sides to this, but we've got to get involved. And Jason and I were talking about this because I've signed up for end abortion now for the church. I haven't talked about it a whole lot because I'm still learning about it. I'm still uh, researching. I'm still learning how to have the conversations, how to start this ministry. Um, but I've learned a lot from these guys at end abortion now. Um, they uh, apologia church, uh, I believe is, is who I know they're big backers of it. Mm. If they are not the ones backing it totally, but, um, Great people on the front lines doing good work. Um, the thing is, if we're going to get involved with stuff like this, we have to make sure it's not just this jump on it now because it's a hot topic and everybody's talking about it. Like I know after like the riots downtown, after all the Black Lives Matter riots, the churches around here were all quick to go out and help and really like kind of break down these walls a little bit between like you know, different races and like to be out there hand in hand, cleaning up the city and like loving on each other. And then two weeks later, it was like nothing ever happened. Mm -hmm. That can't be what happens with abortion. We have to actually put this to rest. The thing that keeps coming up and I made Randy look at it because he's got, he's got his dictionary of demons and deities. (laughs) And I said, what's Moloch? So weird. What is Moloch? Because that's what keeps coming to my mind is there's this, whether it's a God or whether it's the act of giving your child up as a sacrifice biblically over and over and over again throughout the generations of Israel and the surrounding nations, they're always tempted to sacrifice their children. It happens over and over again, and God keeps saying, please don't do this. Do Do not kill your children. Stop putting your kids to death. It's detestable to me. I hate it. I want life, not death. We're watching that happen real time today. They're not putting it in a big burning idol. They're taking it to a doctor. Mm -hmm. But it is the death of your child. It is a sacrifice of your child. Please do not do that. Um, This is a heavy one. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Lori, for coming here and, you know, giving up your time to... Thank you for calling me, Randy and Zach, and saying, was, can you come here right now? She was totally going to her lunch break. It just clicked with us right that this now, probably wasn't smart to just have, like, two, two dudes talking guys. about this. But look, the truth's the truth. 
this would have been no less true if Lori wasn't sitting here. Absolutely. But I'm glad you are sitting here that you could give your input. Having said that, I do think that it's the women of our church who really need to step up because if I were a young lady pregnant, not knowing what to do, last person I'd want to go talk to is another guy. Yeah. Well, that and add the fact that the media wants people to think that that God-fearing, God-loving women that say, no, abortion is wrong on all fronts, that that's just like a small minority that doesn't exist. Right. right. It's like you're unicorns or something. You're not. Right. You're not. There are a lot of you. Stand up. We need your help. We, and you guys have got to lead this right now because this is right. huge, um, at least as the voice, right? Like we yeah. need that. Um, yeah. And you know what? <laughs> this is just – it's kind of snarky, but I oh like it. My. I like it. Snarky. I like it. <laughs> Steven Crowder, when faced with the issue. And look, I don't agree with Steven Crowder on everything. I don't okay. always love his approach to situations. Okay. But I thought this one was kind of good stuff. He said, oh, I am pro-choice. He said, in fact, you have four choices. He said, you can choose abstinence. You can choose to use contraception. You can choose adoption. Or you can choose motherhood. But murder is never an option. And I hope that you'll think about that. Honestly, that's I don't real. even find that terribly snarky. No, but it it kind of can be. It can yeah. be. It can be. But I and think, I don't want it to be. I think it's because it's real. It's real. It's real. It's like abortion shouldn't be an option. We have plenty of options. You don't need that one. <sighs> okay, I think we did it. I think so. We may have to come back to this one at some point. Let's see. Let's see what the comments, what the issues that please people uh, argue raise. With me. Yeah, argue yeah. with me, and by argue with me, I mean I won't be mean to you. I promise I won't. I really do want to hear where your heart's at. I want to hear what your thoughts are. Um, but we got to think through this logically because the truth is the truth. The truth is not subjective. The truth is objective. And if you are a Christian, you should be well aware of that. And that's kind of that's a big point of this podcast is we've all got to be on the same page. We can't be a kingdom divided because that's no good for anybody. Um, but with what, that said, but what do we have to do with that truth? We have to approach it with truth grace. and grace. That's right. That's right. Well, truth without grace isn't truth at all, and grace well, without truth. Well, you know what I'm is saying, not grace Zach. At all. I know there are people know. thinking they're speaking truth out there. I know, but I know it. I know it. I know you know it. I know it. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for listening, Lori. Once again, thank you for hanging out with us. Happy to do so. We'll have to Hi, do this again. Anytime. This is fun. Anytime. Um, if you've got questions, send them into salty saints at becomehope.com or questions at becomehope.com. I didn't just say the same thing twice, did I? Nope. Okay, no. Okay, cool. That's where my brain's at right now. Um, thank you to Life Audio for partnering with us. Uh, if you guys want to go check them out, check them out at lifeaudio.com. They have dozens of podcasts on parenting and Bible study and prayer, all sorts of good stuff. Um, so go check them out. They're good peeps. We like them. And uh, until next time, stay salty. A powerful prayer life does not require hiking a mountain to be able to hear from God. God can meet us right in the middle of our busy lives to help, guide, and speak to us through prayer. I'm Christina Patterson, host of the Teach Us to Pray podcast, providing practical teaching and encouragement on how you can make prayer a natural and consistent part of your everyday life. I promise it won't require hiking a mountain, but you just might develop the faith to move one. Listen and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.